as a place where one lives, especially as a member of a family. Household and families are basic, basic units of any society. Now, the world today is trying to redefine what marriage is about. Thereby, they are seeking to change the composition of the home. The Bible, God's word, is very clear that marriage is between a man and a woman. The home then comprises of a man called the father, a woman called the mother, and if God so desires, he can bless them with children. But even if there are no children, the man and the woman, the husband and the father, can still constitute a wonderful Christian home. Genesis 2, 18 again. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone, and we make him an mate for him. In that account, God created different things each day, and God said it was good. On this particular account, God said, this is not good. This is one thing that is not good. God of heaven looked at all that he did, and, and, and he exclaimed there at the end of each day that it was good. But for one thing, God himself reflected and said it was not good. And what was not good was for Adam to be all alone by himself. So home was the very first institution that God formed. Before the church, before the government, before the school, God instituted homes. Thus, a family is a divine establishment. God created it, is the owner of it, and, and you know, when the car breaks down, you try to fix the car with different, at different shops, and sometimes they always tell us, go to the dealership. The foundation of a Christian home begins ideally with salvation for both husband and wife. We heard that on Sunday. He must be born again. We've added Sunday morning. We've added every single service that we have had since the beginning of this time meeting. We do understand that some are married before conversion. And we will deal with that uh, very briefly later on. But for a new marriage, of course, the guideline is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship at righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion at light with darkness? God wants a Christian man to marry a Christian woman. Period. A Christian home consists of a man who has been saved, a woman who has been saved, then joining together to become. 
That's what Jesus said in Mark 10, 6 to 9. Mark, Gospel chapter 10, verse 6 to 9. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let not man put asunder. The systems of this world, the court system, the judicial system, may allow separation and remarriage while the, the, the spouse is still alive. But God's word forbids it. God's word says it is until death do us part. I'll bring an object lesson here this morning. I have two containers of Play-Doh this morning, two different colors. You can see them. Husband, wife, they come together. They come together. They cleave. They weave together. And this is what you have. The Bible says, the twin shall become one. This play nobody in this world can separate them to the different colors they wear before they came together. They are now one. The Supreme Court cannot separate them. The system, judicial systems of this world cannot separate them. They are already one. You can't bring this back to the color in which they were. In fact, uh, Romans 7, 2 and 1 Corinthians 7, 39 Seven two and First Corinthians seven thirty nine. We we won't read because of our time. Both speak to marriage is for life. Till death do us part can be a very long time. Hence, young people who want to have a Christian home should seriously consider the need to start right. Pray and be saved from sin. Commit your life into God's hands. Marry a Christian spouse because it's a long road. For young people who are dating or in courtship right now, you may want to ask yourself, am I willing to live with this person the rest of my life? Some have told us that marriage for life is an apostolic faith church doctrine. It is not. Marriage for life is a Bible doctrine. We embrace every part of it. We said it here, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. That is the sanctity of marriage. There's also the principle of living, cleaving, and weaving. Living, after salvation, a good 
Christian home is established when the couple leave behind their parents, siblings, and friends. One cannot be married and be closer to other partners more than your spouse. And say, leave. Leave them alone. Cleave to your wife. The second principle, cleave. A cleaving has a lot to do with permanency and exercising commitment and will. Cleave to your wife. As, as the Plato, they will cleave together. And then weave means to become one flesh. It is a lifetime endeavor, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. You weave together. It's difficult, if not impossible, for husbands and wives to cleave and weave when they are geographically separated for a long time. And I know a long time can be relative. But how do you cleave and weave with someone who is thousands of miles away? And I know we do realize there are situations, economic situations, uh, transfers, what transfers, uh, you know, if you are in the force, you might need to be away for some time. But the desire should always be to your wife. You always want to be together. Home is not just a place to lodge, it's a place to live. If we want to live there, we want Jesus to be there. When you take Christ out of any home or anything, what you have left is crisis. No wonder homes are in crisis in our world today because Christ has been taken out. I want to go very quickly. A Christian home is a home where prayer and reading of God's word is a delight. A home where husbands and wives pull together. No quarreling or fighting. There could be constructive discussions. I disagree that we are not made to be robots. For many times, my wife and I disagree on. She likes tea. I like I like coffee. She likes to sleep early. I don't like to sleep early. She likes to wake up early. I like to sleep in bed at seven, if possible. Unity is not uniformity. We are all individuals. We might have constructive discussion, but no quarreling. A Christian home is a peaceful home. It's a loving home. It's a joyous home. The Bible is very clear about responsibilities, specific responsibilities of all the stakeholders in the home. In the next few minutes, we will look into that. But before we look into that, I'd like to... Uh, start that section, specific responsibilities of stakeholders in the home with 1 Peter 2 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, 
the peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. God is telling us that children of God, these responsibilities, they should be a delight. They should be a joy. I really want to preface this with you and I are not ordinary. We are extraordinary. We, we are peculiar people. We are children of God. Responsibilities of husbands. Ephesians 5, 21 and 25 to 28 and 33. Of submitting your, yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Paul was giving his perspective here in the context of mutual submission. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting yourself one to another. That is the mind of Christ. Every Christian, husband, wife, children, it's a, a Christian life is a life of submission. Paul, in writing to the Philippians, said, and we heard that yesterday, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he chose, he made himself of no reputation. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But God had highly exalted him and given him a name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. There is power in submission. Submission is not a weakness. He says, Submit yourself one to another. But the instruction for the husband, too, he says, Love your wives. I really like the possessive nature of that. He didn't say love another man's wife. We love ourselves here, the children of God. But he says love your own wife. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How did Christ love the church? So much. To the point that he gave his life for it. It is sacrificial loving leadership. We must have the kind of love that will be willing to give our lives for our wives. It is not a, a dictatorial a leadership. There is no account in the Bible where Jesus claimed his authority over the church in a dictatorial way. It's in a loving way. It's in, it's in, it's in serving them. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 11.3. 
I did not see anything in that description that says a wife is second rate. No way. A Christian wife is a powerful woman. It's empowered by God. A Christian wife, I just said that a Christian husband is incomplete without his wife. Responsibilities of children. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the law, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. God has specific, very simple instruction for children. Just obey. Obey your parents in the Lord. The Bible says this is the right thing to do. When you learn to obey your parents, you will learn to obey authorities such as teachers and policemen and so many other governmental authorities. Today we have a breakdown of law and order because children have not been taught at home to obey. If children learn to obey their parents, if parents teach children to obey authorities, Oh, the crisis will be less today. Maybe children, your parents are telling you, marry in the gospel. It is for your good. You want to remember something? He said, marry her for me, for she pleased me. He paid for it with his life and with his eyes. But you want to be good examples like Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul addressing Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5 says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that that same faith is in thee also. That is the type of children that we want to be, children who honor their parents, children who obey their parents, children with unfeigned faith. We understand some children may come from homes where their parents are not in the notch. The Bible still wants you to obey them. Obey your parents. As long as what they are telling you does not contradict the Bible. If what the, your parents tell you contradict the Bible, if your parents want you to sin, there's a verse for you. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Acts chapter 5, verse 29 says, We ought to obey God rather than men. You see that? We still have to do that very humbly. We still have to do that very submissively. Dad, I'm sorry, you have a brand new boy. I can't buy cigarette again. I am saved. Responsibilities of parents, very quickly, we can read Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7. It says that parents should teach them diligently unto their children, shall talk of them when they sit us in the house, when they walk us by the way, and when they lie us down, and when they rise us up. It is the parents' primary responsibility to teach the children the word of God at home. 
It is not the church's responsibility. Say it again. It is the parents who are forced some primary responsibility to teach the word of God to children at home. Then the children come to church and the good doctrines and practices that parents teach their children at home, they are reinforced in the church. You see some parents say, oh, it's the church problem. It's not the church problem. It's a home problem. Genesis 18, 19 says, For I know him, to God testifying of Abraham, Genesis 18, 19, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. No wonder that was Abraham. We heard about Abraham in the teaching yesterday and Isaac. No wonder in Genesis 22, 7, Isaac told his dad, Abraham, my father, behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? You wonder, how did Isaac know about the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac had been taught. We have a responsibility, parents, to teach our children. We teach them the word of God. There's a verse that is scary to me. Judges 2.10 says, There arose another generation uh, which know not the Lord. They, 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 the whole generation, their parents did not teach them how they crossed the Red Sea, how they crossed Jordan. They not, not knew nothing about the goodness of God. It is our responsibility as parents uh, to tell our children the goodness of God. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath." Will bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How can we provoke our children to wrath? Well, uh, favoritism, and we favor one child over an op- another, or prefer one child over another. We can read about the havoc in Isaac and Rebekah's home as he raised Jacob and Esau, Genesis 25 to 32. What about when we set unattainable or unrealistic goals for our children? Uh, God help us. Sometimes I, this happens to me. My kids come home and they tell us that, Mom, I got 98% in my math test today. And characteristics of me, I will ask them, where is the remaining 2%? But there may be a child who has the ability to get 100%. We should not compare that child with another child, either in the church or at school, who can get 100%. Maybe your child can only manage 85%. Praise God for that. When we begin to compare children to children, it creates division. When we are inconsistent, they don't know what that likes. Dad, you said this dress was nice last Sunday, but today it's no longer nice. Inconsistency. Because I'm a teacher does not mean all my children should be teachers. Some parents enforce courses of study on their children. You must do medicine. You must do law. You must do engineering. And the children go in and they start failing. 
and the children become bitter. Our role is to hand over our children to God. Our role is to groom them to know the mind of God. We cannot continue to, to know the mind of God for them all the time. What about investing in our children's spiritual development? Some families, they can have all the money to go on vacation all over the world. When we ask them, what about violin for your daughter? They will say, oh, oh, there's no money for violin. But they can travel, they can spend $10,000 on vacation all over the world. But there's no $500 to buy violin that the child can use in the service of God. Parents, we want to invest in our children's spiritual development. That the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. When you love and tenderly care for, for their mom, uh, they, they, they learn to love. Not just only their mom, they learn to love everyone. It's the parents' responsibility to know what kind of video games your children are watching how long they are watching it, their social media life. It is the parents' responsibility to know the kind of music your children are listening to. Some, some uh, children will say, oh, that uh, uh, rap, what is called Christian rap music. I don't know much about that, God thank you, but I know about Christian music. I know about only music. The soul that will live close to Jesus. You see, who spends more time is prayer. I know about that. I know, Lord, a year of showers of blessings. Thou art scattering full and free. Even me, even me. Let thy blessings fall on me. I love the old, good, old-fashioned committee singing. Oh, I never can forget how the fire fell. How the fire fell when the Lord sanctified me. What do you say against that? Those songs draw our souls to heaven. Those songs draw us to consecration. We'll conclude very quickly. Uh, there was a day we were having a reciter, one of our daughters that was having a reciter, and after the reciter, uh, um, Florence just moved to the piano at the hall, and she began to play at a cross, at a cross, where I first saw the light. Then the body of my sins rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all that day. An elderly woman came over, sat by her side, and said, Who taught you that song? And she said, I play it every week in our church. The woman was crying. She said, I used to play that back in the 70s, here in Puma, at the church downtown day. But my church shut him down. And our children are paying for it up to today. Parents, it's our responsibility. Let's check what kind of music our children play. We want to, be, to let the gospel be exciting to our children. You know, when you talk about camp meeting, you talk about special meeting, you are excited about it. You make time for it. You make vacation for it. Your children will be excited about it. If you talk ill of a fellow worker in the presence of your children, how do you expect your children to kneel in the place of prayer and see that fellow worker? Now, by God's grace, we tell our children, 
I remember one time uh, the kids came to the office down there, and Brother Dwight and Brother Dara shook their hands. They were keeping the hands in their pocket for a long time. They have been taught. They have been taught to respect the people of God. They, they, when you teach your children to respect the people of God, oh, what a blessing it will be for them. You can read Responsibility of Grandparents in Titus 2, 1 to 8. But I want to conclude in the next two minutes or so with seven practical examples for building a Christian home. Number one, put God first in setting up your home. Number two, husbands, love, honor, and protect your wives. Number three, wives, submit to your own husband. Even those who are not saved, submit to them. I took permission from Sister Janice to her home to share the story. Sister Janice's mom, Sister Gay, Ruth, uh, whom I'm very close to before, I was close to before she died. Uh, she got saved, and for 29 years, she lived in the same home with a husband that was not saved. Yet she submitted, she loved the husband, she honored the husband, but you know what? After 29 years, God had her prayers. God will hear your prayers. Parents, show your children good examples in tithing, in holy living, in faithfulness to God's work. Parents, demonstrate the excitement of the gospel to your children. Children, God bless us as we obey our parents and the Lord. That's number six. And number seven, Ephesians 4, 32. And I will close with that. And be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Number seven, don't expect a perfect husband. Don't expect a perfect wife. Don't expect perfect children. God is still working on all of us. We are all still work in progress. Joshua said... As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How is your home this morning? Is there something that could use God's help in your home this morning? You can bring your children to the Lord. You can bring your spouse to the Lord. Maybe those children have even walked away. You can be like that man, uh, the prodigal son we, we heard. He was waiting, looking. You can bring them to the Lord in prayer. The Lord will mend homes this morning. He will bless homes this morning. He will strengthen homes this morning. The song is 389. Let's come and pray.